Looking for the best place to buy tickets for any of your favorite teams or sporting events? We've got the spot. Our partner, StubHub, has been the leading ticket marketplace in the world for over 20 years, providing a 100% guarantee with every order. From a worldwide selection of live events, the widest choice of tickets and industry-leading partnerships, StubHub has what you need to purchase with confidence. StubHub, an official partner of The Athletic. The Athletic. Hello, everybody, and welcome to the Buford Lane, the award-winning Tottenham Hotspur podcast from The Athletic, soon to be the multi-award-winning Tottenham Hotspur podcast from The Athletic, as I'll explain in a second. Joining me, your host, are The Athletic's Tim Spears, and the return, let church bells ring, put bunting up in the villages, light fires in the high parts of the country, the return of Jack Pitt Brook. Um, listen, and if Jack's return is fantastic news, it does mean uh, that Tim will be departing from the pod for now. On this episode, we thought we would let Tim hand back over to Jack after what's been an eventful last six months or even a year at Spurs. As I was hinting at there at the top, we have, I'm delighted to say, uh, we are once again nominated for Best Team Podcast at the Sports Podcast Awards. We are defending our crown Now, it's very important that we defend this crown. We will be the first Spurs team to defend anything since the 1982 FA Cup. Okay, so I need you to get in there and vote. The View from the Lane has been nominated once again in the Best Team Podcast category at the Sports Podcast Awards. And we need your votes. This is how you help us defend our crown. Simply go to sportspodcastgroup.com, then click Vote Now. Go to Best Team Podcast, vote for The View from the Lane, then register for an account when prompted. Once you've done that, your vote will be confirmed. All right. Thank you for that. We'll give you the details. I'll remind you again later about that later in the pod. Um, Tim, will you miss? I mean, obviously you'll miss this podcast. It's become um, very much part of your life and, of course, I think the centrepiece of your social life. But will you miss Spurs, the actual club and the team? I will miss doing this podcast for sure. It's uh, it's been a pleasure, particularly particularly working with you, Danny. I mean, I speak to the likes of James Moore every single day. You know, couldn't care less about that. But uh, yeah, this is this is uh, an oasis in my week, as Tony Soprano would say. Yeah, I, w- I will miss Spurs. Do you know what? I, I might not have necessarily said that last March. I've basically done two loan stints, September to March last year. So my last game was uh, the win over Forest at home before Southampton away, when nothing particularly happened on Charlie's return. And um, so I missed all the fun and games of Conte and Stellini and Ryan Mason for the end of the season. It was an interesting six months and there were some, you know, there were some entertaining games and late comebacks and whatever. But generally, some of the football, as we all remember, was and it was, there was quite an apathetic and angry feel about the club and directionlessness. But this this year, obviously, you know, it's been completely different. And um, I found it hard to find the soul of the club last year and really feel what it was all about but I feel like I'm getting there now. I can feel it, you know, to go from the apathy and anger last season to this sort of like undiluted happiness of the first few games of the season here in particular. The uh, Some of those games at the start of the season, after Man United and Sheffield United, 
fans staying for hours to celebrate. It was uh, it was really special. I've not really seen anything like that before for like the start of a season. They weren't celebrating a title win. It's like we've got our club back. This is fantastic. So yeah, so I've, I've really loved that and the weeks and the weeks and months that followed. So um, and yeah, some of the football's been amazing. The but the extreme sort of high risk football is something I've never seen regularly before. Certainly in the flesh, you you know, Wolves have never produced anything like that over thirty years. So um, it's something you can really connect with. It's been great, and obviously I'll still be watching from afar. I mean, uh, Jimmy, Jimmy on the on the Twitter uh, said, "Are there any players or aspects of the club that you've developed a particular soft spot in your time covering it? Could be something, you know, could just be a burger van. I don't know." I walk to the stadium. I live in Haringey. It's like a fifty minute walk away. Uh, I think I mentioned this on the pod before, but I I really enjoy that walk to the stadium. It's really quiet when you're sort of walking through Tottenham. There's no one around, and then you turn onto the high road, and it's just an absolute buzz of people and activity. I always take my headphones out at that point and just start listening to people's conversations as I'm walking down the street and people just been excited about the game or talking about years gone by or whatever. Um, I love that. And then the stadium comes into view. It's a beautiful thing. It really is. And the, you know, the queue for the queue for chick King and all that stuff and people singing as they're coming out of the pubs. I really like that. It's great. You can really feel the dispersed community. That's a great walk. I used to live around there and so I did that exact same walk through uh what's it uh Lordship Recreation Ground and then through that little castle before you turn left up onto the main road. It's really, really nice because it's um that mixture of the kind of, you know, the the sort of quiet parks and the busy streets and everything and the energy that carries you up towards the stadium. Oddly, it's one of the things that was so important about this the new stadium obviously is important in its own ways, but about not moving um in that even though it was a completely new experience, the new ground, all the familiar landmarks, in my case, were usually coming up the way from Seven Sisters, um, the, the pubs that you passed since you were a kid, in, you know, different people outside, but still that same sort of atmosphere. As you, and you, you know, the, the program, the guy selling the old programs on the right-hand side as you go past Sainsbury's, um, and, and the individual shops and things, they all change over the years, of course, but the... The walk to the ground had remained largely the same for me. Um, and then so the shock of the new ground, I think it was very important that we didn't move the stadium. Um, now, of course, other clubs have moved completely. The Champions of Europe moved their stadium. Arsenal's has moved slightly, but still noticeably, if you're from Islington, onto the old landfill. Um, they, they, you know, it, it was just great that it stayed where it was. Listen, I'll get on to you, Jack, in a very, very short while. But, Tim... Um, we have made a little highlights reel for you of your time here on The View from the Lane. I hope you accept it in the spirit of which it's offered. Um, listen to this. Last but not least, Tim Spires. Um, which leaves me, Danny Kelly, Jack Pitbrook and Tim Spears. A spear, rather. Tim Spear, the... Um, Spears, well, People are calling Spears with an S. All right, I'm going to do that again. It's been five months. I've been waiting for this for... Quite a few months, I've got to say. Since starting covering this club in September, I've often found a team and also a club and a fan base at times sort of, you know, devoid of passion or purpose. Uh, there's been apathy. There's been some dreadful performances. I was kind of sat there after 80 minutes yesterday and it really just sunk in that this, hang on, right, I get it now. This is it. This is what Spurs are all about. This is, this is the Spurs I've been waiting to see. Christian Salini said afterwards, you know, uh, we played with Lucas, Richarlison and Son, that should be good enough. 
yeah, it should it should be on paper. If this if this football manager, then it, it works and, and they win. But you know, Richarlison hasn't scored for for God knows how many months now. Son just, just can't do anything from the start of a football match, and Lucas Moore has played four minutes since the start of November. Who is their local derby? Who is their big, big, um, passionate derby against? It's uh, it's it's West it's West Bromwich Albion. It hurts, hurts me to say that name. In fact, I used to I used to um, I used to live on Albion Street when um, in Wolverhampton, and it pained me so much. I nearly turned the flat down to be honest. Every time I had to type out the address to say the word Albion, it hurts me. If you get to Chelsea and you see and it's proper gourmet spread, like the Gorgonzola Noki I had at Chelsea, unbelievable. Charlie mentioned XG. And I know it isn't the be-all and end-all, but Son's XG in his two Champions League games is is 0.07. I know diamonds aren't forever, but with 007 as his XG, then then Son is not going to last forever in the in the first eleven, is he? Tim, can, can you, you clip your click your fingers for us, please? No, I can't clip my fingers. Oh, you can't clip your fingers? No, you can't do it. Is that a northern thing? I'm from the, well, I'm from the Midlands, so that doesn't make any sense. Exactly. Can you roll your tongue, Tim? Guy. No. What can you do physically? You've had a few months to think about that, Tim. What can you do physically? What's your party piece, Tim? We've not discovered your party piece in knowing you for a long time now. I'll just get—I'll get my big toes out. They're—they're they're huge. Oh. My, my, yeah, that's sort of people—people people point at them when they see them. Okay. Well. Wow. <laughs> what sort of a podcast have I returned to? Oh, things have changed. I've got size thirteen feet. But if you if you sort of chop off the top of my big toes, they'd be size nine. So you, you can go skiing without buying any equipment, yeah? <laughs> yeah? That is amazing. There you go. Yeah. Or you can paint any pair of shoes you've got red and become a clown instantly. Very good. <laughs> very, very good indeed. If we were in a sort of normal industrial environment and you're doing a handover and you had 90 seconds, two minutes to tell your your incoming colleague, in this case, Jack, um, about what what's happened, the changes you've seen, because it's been huge shift in mood, for instance, um, it, compared to as you say, Conte Stellini. What what would you what would your advice to Jack be right now if you were literally changing jobs and then skedaddling out of the building? I guess you have you have to start with Postacoglu, and I think you have to really wire yourself into his career history. Charlie's written some amazing pieces on this, in terms of how he builds winning teams and his mentality and what he does with squads and what he does with the playing style. And that's the centre point for everything here. Um, I mean, he's changed He's changed everything. You know, Levy will get a, 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 lot, a lot of credit and the recruitment's been better. Um, but it all comes from this head coach. And he's taken Spurs in a really interesting direction. You know, last season results were okay. Remember they were third in March when I departed. Oh, we're about to head into third uh, when they were winning at Southampton. But they weren't building towards anything. Um, the mentalities. I love the fact that Postacoglu talks about mentality so often. He said before the Man City game recently, I don't particularly, the result and the performance aren't the most important things for me here. The most important thing I want to see is mentality. I want to see bravery on the ball. I want to see an attack-minded approach, people taking risks. Um, he's seen who can go with him. And I think if Spurs... Given what he wants in the transfer market and allow him the freedom as they have done to continue to build this team, then it could be special times ahead. I, I think he's a pretty unique individual, Danny. Certainly in, in, in certainly in the modern game, there aren't many like him. Jack, first of all, um, how excited you are not to be back on this podcast, but to be back covering Spurs and how much are you looking forward to seeing 
um, what they're doing um, in the flesh. Yeah, I'm really looking forward to watching Tottenham play again. Um, I'm going to Brighton away on the 28th, Bournemouth at home on the 31st, uh, Burnley in the FA Cup on the 5th of Jan. Um, and I can't wait. It's going to be amazing to watch Tottenham play like this. You know, I've, I've watched kind of open mouths on television for the first for the first half of this season, seeing Tottenham do things like defending high up the pitch, dominating possession, dominating possession in the opponent's half, you know, building up from the back, attacking in numbers, surprising teams with their movement off the ball, the way they use the fullbacks, um, you know, seeing a, a doggy charging down the inside left channel every game and catching the, you know, coming on the inside of the opposition right back. It's been... Um, it's been amazing to watch and I'm, I'm very, very excited about being able to watch it up close. One of the things I think that makes this podcast so special is the fact that not everybody on the, on the team is a dyed-in-the-wall, lifelong Spurs fan, including yourself. Have you actually missed Spurs per se in the six months you've been away from them? Uh, yeah, I have missed Spurs. I've missed, I've missed going to the stadium. I've missed the this... This, the feeling of being part of this big community and also the feeling of being part of this kind of rolling narrative, um, which is, you know, actually been heading in a different direction from the, the direction it had been in for the last few years. Um, so, yeah, I have missed that that kind of, that sense of being part of something bigger than myself. We've had a combination of some new players um, and some old players being asked to do different things. Who have been the ones that have really caught your eye? Well, I think it'd be a bit pointless to say Madison because everybody knows he's really good, or Kulisewski because we love Kulisewski on this podcast. I mean, Van der Ven and Vicario have obviously been have adjusted really, really well. But I think the players who the players who I think I've been happiest for this season have been players who have so I think surprised people or or they've kind of they've outperformed the expectations for them going into the season. So the, the three that stand up to me are Son. Because one of the big questions that we finished last season with is, is was last season just a blip or was it a decline from Son? And I, to be honest, I was pessimistic. I thought it might be a decline. But in fact, he's played so well this season. I think we can say last season was just a blip. And that's down to you know, the injury that he had, not really fitting with what Conte asked him to do. Was he was the training facilitating him being a good player? All the rest of it. The injury that he revealed. At the end of the season, yeah. And so he's really kind of gone back from Chelsea Fernando Torres to Liverpool Fernando Torres this season. So Son is number one. Number two is Pedro Porro, who, when they, you know, when they signed him, I think, I'm sure I must have said this on this podcast, and if it wasn't me, it would have been Charlie, saying, oh, you know, he's he's only played as a wing back at Sporting. He can't play in a back four. And then obviously he played in a back four at St. James's Park where they got hammered and it was, you know, people were saying, oh, but they they signed him to play for Conte, and then if they're going to get a new manager who plays a back four, it's not going to work. It's a waste of money. All the rest of it. And so seeing him flourish as a right back in a back four has been really, really good. And I know it's slightly different how Postecoglou wants the fullbacks to play, but seeing him flourish has been great because it just proves that players, you know, that there doesn't have to be an upper limit on what a good player can achieve. You know, with the right coach, they can do things they haven't done before. Just because Poro had always played as a wing back before at Sporting and at Tottenham. It doesn't mean and just because he was really bad at St. James's part of that time, it doesn't mean that he can't play right back in a four. Um so it's been great seeing him. And the third one I think is I know he's not had a great few weeks, but Bisuma, um, who started the season so well, again, you know, someone written off by Conte uh last season, barely got a look in. Um at the time I think there were lots of questions about, you know, what why would Tottenham pay Brighton twenty five million pounds for this guy if Conte's not going to play him? And again, it just proves that, you know, a good manager who wants to improve the players is, 
you're going to get much better return on your investment that way because if you have a manager who doesn't want to improve the players, then all the players are going to look bad. So those are the three that stand out to me, Son, Poro and Basuma. We're approaching the end of the year. When I say approach the end of the year, let's look back on it, your highlights of it and lowlights if you want. That would be a normal activity on any sort of podcast or radio broadcast, TV show, whatever. Um, But 2023, I'm not sure I can remember a Spurs year quite as dramatic. I suppose there were times in the the mid-90s when they got docked all those points and Ozzy Ardiles played nine up front and all that. But certainly this century, let's call it modern times, I can't remember a, 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 a calendar year like it. Um, I'll start with you, Tim, while Jack gets his thoughts together. And what have been your highlights of the of 2023 following Spurs? And if you want to put lowlights in, that's absolutely all right too. I have to say the highlight was back in February and being privileged to be in the stadium to watch Harry Kane break the record was a, an amazing moment. The fact that it was against Man City and then it a win in the game just sort of added to the awe of that match. But yeah, it was... Um, just watching Kane in general, Danny, was... Uh, I've always had an appreciation, obviously, for his sort of goal scoring and his sort of sheer bloody-mindedness, but it was such a privilege to watch him in terms of... I've got a real appreciation now for, more for his movement and his passing range and his his intelligence. He's one of the smartest players I've ever seen. Um, I've become a Harry Kane fan. I'm really watching his progress in Munich with great pleasure and... Um, to watch him regularly and even more so in person was, yeah, it was a real privilege. And I was felt very privileged to be in the stadium that day. It was a real real special moment. That would, that would be the highlight of the year for sure. Jack, what, what have been your, your, your highlights of 2023 watching Spurs? Well, it's tough because all the good, with the exception of Harry Kane breaking the record, which was really good, I haven't seen any of the good stuff. The Man United win, the Liverpool win, the draw against City, the turnaround against Sheffield United. I've not, I've only seen this on TV. Um, so to be honest, the things which I will remember the most from this year are stuff that happened more than six months ago and that people probably don't want to think about. But the, um, so Conte's rant after the Southampton game, uh, the Newcastle United defeat under Stellini, which I think was the worst Tottenham performance I've ever seen. And the, uh, I can't let this one go, the Sheffield United away in the FA Cup. Harry Kane's last FA Cup performance for Tottenham being 25 minutes off the bench and a 1-0 defeat um, to a championship side who'd made lots of changes. And so I'm really... But I, I, I don't want to get in the, the mood down. So what I will say is I think with the fullness of time, what the biggest thing to happen to Tottenham this calendar year, kind of as big really historically as the departure of Kane, will be Daniel Levy realising that he had... the time. The time is up for... The, appointing the manager with the best Wikipedia profile and realising, in fact, that the right thing to do is to appoint a manager who is aligned to the values of the club and who wants to be Tottenham manager. And I think that once he made, once he decided that and once he'd found that Postacoglu ticked both of those two boxes emphatically, then I think everything that's everything good that, that we've seen over the last few months is is downstream from that. I really struggle to remember a year when I have been more dragged around by events at Spurs, up and down, up and down. And bear with me, I'm going to do three or four of them here, but I will end on a positive, and not the positive you might think. Um, Of course, Harry Kane breaking Jimmy Greaves' record was a great, it was a wonderful achievement, first and foremost, by him. Um, On a personal level, as I said, I think at the time, 
growing up watching Jimmy Greaves in the last stages of his career and having him as my absolute hero. And one of the, the immovable points of my, my worldview was that his record at Spurs will never be broken. And yet the joy I felt when it was broken shows that, you know, we, we all continue to learn and grow, um, even in something as daft and ridiculously over-important in our lives as football. I'm a very pretty emotional person. You'll probably work this out. But equally, I think I pride myself that I'm pretty good at self-analysis. Um, and so the fact that Antonio Conte got so under my skin that I could barely stand to look at him. Um, and I, I'm not going to lie, I was delighted when he, when he was let go. The sale of Kane, I know, I get it. Business, million, 100 million euros, whatever it was. I mean, I'm glad now that, of course, it, it, like all these things, we, we, we heal very quickly. Um, and I see him doing what he's doing for Bayern. Doesn't affect me one little bit, I'm glad to say. But at the time, I, I was really pained. Um, but the joy I found in recent months, um, obviously a return to a kind of football that I think is necessary. And I know I went mad after the Chelsea game and I maintained that was no way to play a football match. But you know what's really I really loved in the last few weeks? Um, and that is when we were doing well under Pochettino, Spurs found a defence that would allow Spurs to play attack in football in Loris, who came cheaply, um, Walker, who developed away from the club under uh, on loan, same with Danny Rose, and Toby and Jan, who'd grown up together at Ajax. And I think something went off in my head about four games into the new season when I realised that Vicario was going to make it as a Premier League goalkeeper, that Pedro Porro had no doubts about, could play it right back. Romero is what he is. Van de Ven looks like if his hamstrings hold up, he's going to be fantastic. And Destiny Doggy is made for the part. And it looks to me like Spurs might have developed, found, or lucked into another back five for the next three, four, five years who might allow them to play the kind of fantastic football that Postecoglou wants to play. And I remember I've let, I exhaled a deep, deep breath because with the best will in the world, even the greatest attacking teams, you've got to be able to, on occasion, defend your goal. And that, if that's, you know, whether you're going the Barcelona way and you don't defend the goal, you defend the ball, or whether you go the Italian way and you defend the actual goal. I, I love the idea that we've got a load of good defenders now, even if most of them spend their time on the opposition penalty spot. It's great, and that spurs as well. This episode is brought to you by Michelob Ultra, the official beer sponsor of the NBA. Want to get closer to the game than ever before? Michelob Ultra Courtside is giving fans the chance to win exclusive NBA prizes and experiences like official gear, courtside seats to an NBA game, and more. Head over to MichelobUltra.com courtside to learn more. Mother's Day is around the corner. Find the perfect gift for the mom in your life with a stunning piece of jewelry from Blue Nile. From timeless pearls to dazzling gemstones, Blue Nile has something she'll adore. Need it fast? Most items can ship overnight. Plus, enjoy guaranteed free shipping and returns. Don't miss our special Mother's Day deals. Save big on the season's most beautiful trends. For a limited time, get up to 50% off by going to BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. 
With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Nottingham Forest have confirmed the appointment of Nuno Espirito Santo as first team head coach. We have been talking about this, haven't they? Who was going to replace Steve Cooper after he was sacked? Tim, um, first of all, uh, will you be getting in contact with a great man? Well, I've applied to be the new Nottingham Forest reporter, so... Yeah, I do have to say I'm contractually obliged to say on Charlie's behalf that he's going to make Forrest proud, obviously. Um, and yeah, I've I've been <laughs> an extremely busy day yesterday. I feel like um, I'm Nuno's PR, basically, because everybody seems to have uh, forgotten what he's done in his career. I was on two podcasts yesterday. I had to write an, I had to write an article, article about him. And um, yeah, it's, do you know what? It's really interesting how people have completely forgotten what he did before Spurs. You know, this guy's been a manager for 12 years, but everybody just thinks of those 17 games at Spurs. I mean, obviously that was the most high-profile job of his career. But yeah, I was sort of asked a bit yesterday, is this, this guy's a downgrade on Steve Cooper, isn't he? I was like, well, really? Do you think he's got the the materials at Forest to to build a, a sort of competitive team that can get out of this? Because they look, there's probably worse teams than them in the league, but they don't look great. Build is the optimum word, really, because uh, he prefers a small, tight-knit squad of trusted lieutenants, and he doesn't like being challenged, as I think we've seen very recently with Karen Benzema, and certainly saw that at Spurs, and certainly saw that at Wolves. If someone challenges him, we just get rid of them. You know, a player once told me that you don't knock on Nuno's door to ask why you're not in the team. Your standing will be immediately worse if you do that. You just do not ask him. You know, uh, so he's the opposite of Steve Cooper in a lot of ways, and maybe maybe that's what Forrest need right now. But it's a massive challenge for him, purely on squad size and the fact that he won't have as much control as he as he likes. Anybody want to make a case for his seventeen games at Spurs to revise history at all? Somebody offered this to me on Twitter yesterday. Um, so this is a tweet I got from Silky Lounge Six, who said, "Unpopular view about Nuno. Was he ever given a chance at the club? Don't know why Spurs fans are so down on him." Three wins, start in the league. He was right about Ndombele. One could say that Kane being on an extended holiday situation did not help matters, led to three losses. Ange lost four in the trot. Not comparing the two, madness, but you get my point. Would he have done any worse than Conte? And when I read that, I thought, no, you can't You can't kind of relitigate the Nuno era at Spurs. But actually, the more I think about it, the more I think, this guy's, this guy's got a point. Like, Nuno... Nuno was thrown into a really difficult situation. He was completely, his authority was completely destroyed the second he walked into the door because everybody knew that they took 10 weeks to find him, having cycled through a million other options first. He had to, he inherited an unhappy, unmotivated squad. He inherited an unfit, unmotivated Kane who didn't want to be there, wanted to be playing for City at that point. Um, and, uh, yeah, he, I mean, yeah, clearly he didn't impose any style of play. Clearly he didn't manage the squad, motivate the players. But given given how he got the job, given the circumstances he inherited, 
I actually, I'm kind of coming around to this like Nuno sympathetic view, which is that um, it was it was never going to work. And it's not his it's not his fault that it didn't work because he didn't appoint himself. It was Paratici and Levy who gave him the job. And it was Paratici and Levy who had this kind of crazy summer run around looking for other managers. Now, I don't need to reiterate my my views of how little I like transfer windows. Um, we know that Spurs will be active. I don't know how active. Um, Charlie Eccleshare, our colleague on the soon-to-be-multi-award winning Spurs podcast, um, has been having a few thoughts about potential incomings and outgoings. Yeah, so we've got a piece running on The Athletic looking at what to expect from Tottenham in January. So yeah, I mean, the first number one priority is bring in a new centre-back. Uh, this is something that Ange Postacoglu has spoken about publicly. He talked about it in his press conference last week. And the idea here is it'll be someone who you know, probably be third choice, uh, most likely behind Van der Ven and Romero, but with the expectation that they'd play a lot given Van der Ven's currently out injured uh, and Romero... Uh, as we know, is suspended from time to time. Ideally, a left-sided centre-back, but that's not a non-negotiable. It could be someone who prefers to play on the right. And yeah, so the kind of people they're looking at, I mean, it's young, up-and-coming players in the main. Uh, there's the nice defender, Jean-Claire Todibo. Tosinada Rabio at Fulham, someone they looked at in the summer. Uh, his contract expires in uh, this summer upcoming, at the end of the season. Fulham would prefer not to sell him right now and wait until the summer when it's contract ends there's Lloyd Kelly at Bournemouth uh, who again Spurs looked at in the summer just gone now he's currently injured which complicates that but he does tick a lot of boxes uh, he's versatile he can play as a left back as well he's homegrown uh, and he's worked with Tottenham's defensive coach Matt Wells uh, previously while they were at Bournemouth so that's one option uh, Radu Dragujin of Genoa the Romanian 21 year old defender is another one on Spurs list. So yeah, centre-back's the number one priority, but they'd like to add a midfielder as well. Ideally, probably a number eight. But again, this theme of versatility, that's something that's really important to Postacoglu, having players who can play in lots of different positions. Uh, you know, we've seen that with his forwards, especially this season. But yeah, a number eight who could potentially play deeper or further forward. So an interesting name here is Conor Gallagher, who Spurs were keen on signing on deadline day in August. They didn't do that in the end. But if Chelsea are willing to let him go in January, and we've reported on The Athletic, uh, our Chelsea colleagues, that that might be the case, then that is someone that Spurs would want to move for. So that's an interesting one to look out for, potentially. If that does happen, that makes someone like Hoybier leaving more likely. But at the moment, the situation with Hoybier is, well, a decent offer needs to come in. Spurs don't want to do a loan unless there's an obligation with it. In the attacking positions, uh, Jota is someone who's well-known to Postacoglu. He's at Ali Tihad in Saudi Arabia and isn't playing because he wasn't registered as one of their foreign players. You know, So he's a name that's on the list. Ivan Tony was someone we uh, mentioned back in August as someone Spurs might look at in January. Once his ban finished, I'm not so sure about that one. We'll have to see. But like, I can't see Spurs and Brentford reaching an agreement on fee on that one. Uh, but yeah, a little snapshot there uh, of what to expect from Spurs in January. Oh, and if any of you even think about pointing out that deadline day in August was technically in September, I've already thought of that. One of the names that you actually mentioned there, Jack, was uh, that of Connor Gallagher. Um, and I'm not sure you're as enthusiastic as some people about the current Chelsea captain. Yeah, it's obviously this this came around in the at the back end of the summer. Um I don't know. I'm I'm not sure I'm not sure I can quite see it. I think that I mean clearly going forward, the two number eight positions will be 
Madison when he's fit, and then one other who will probably be Benton Kerr, assuming he's not playing as a six. Although I'm, I have to say, I'm loving this kind of Kulusevski's um, turning into Kevin De Bruyne recently, which I think is a joy to watch. I love him through the middle of the pitch, using that using that great engine of his, driving forward with the ball. Um, and then, of course, you've got Le, Le Celso, who's a very, very talented creative midfielder as well. So I'm not, I don't know. I mean, I think Gallagher's, he's got a lot of energy and I think he's capable of some spectacular things, but I'm not sure he's as creative as some of those other players. I don't think he can run a game like Madison um, can, certainly. Uh, so I don't know. I mean, clearly, you know, there's a bit of, there are issues at the Chelsea end that, that might encourage this to happen, but it's it doesn't stand out. I've never watched him and thought, he has to play, you know, Tottenham need a player like him in that system. This is an odd thing to say about a team that is currently in the Premier League, the team that has scored in more successive football matches than anybody else, with Liverpool and Brighton falling off that particular wagon in the last few days. I'm going to say it, they they have not replaced Kane with an out-and-out striker. I think Son is better starting from wide. I just do. Um a lot of if they don't buy a striker, am I right in thinking that we're putting a lot of eggs uh, medium term into the idea that Richarlison is finally going to click as a, as a forward player, Jack? Yeah, yeah, I think I think that's right. I mean, I think if they don't buy anyone, then it probably is it's Son and two others, arguably Son, Richarlison, and, and one other in that front line. Um, the problem is, I mean, this is kind of a perennial issue, isn't it? It's if you want. Can you sign a number nine who is... Do you look at the top of the market for a number nine to come in and be first choice and play every game? At which point, Son plays on the left and Richarlison isn't an automatic starter. Or do you look for someone who's not at the very top end of the market, who will be cheaper, who can who can maybe slot in as a nine, as an alternative to Richarlison, or an alternative to Son? I mean, I know that Son on the left, Richarlison through the middle, worked very well recently, but earlier in the season, Son through the middle was the best outcome. So I think I don't. I'd, I'd be surprised if they want a kind of top of the market striker. Also, you're not going to get a top of the market striker in January. Maybe they might look for somebody who's a little bit more flexible, a bit cheaper, maybe a bit younger, or perhaps even a bit older, who can come and do a job for some of the games, but not but not all of them. I think. But then signing players like that is always very tough because there aren't <laughs> there aren't that many of them. There aren't that many good experienced number nines who don't necessarily want to play every game because everybody wants a player like that and if you do have a player like that you're you're desperate to hang on to them um game to come up next is everton uh, currently the most informed team in the premier league um i wonder i wonder whether whether their defeat on penalties in the carabao cup might have taken some of the air out of their tires i doubt it with their manager um two questions for you we, we let's assume that brandon johnson's going to be fit who will play at left-back, Tim, and um, who will play in midfield? I think it's bound to be Emerson Royale at left-back and it's got to be Hoiberg in midfield, really. Um, Skip's, the only, Skip's the only other really option, but I don't I don't see Saar and Skip as a as a midfield two for this game. But they're short of sure options down him in if Lo Celso's out as well, which it seems like he might be, then they're almost down to bare bones again, unfortunately. Um, but hopefully only for a couple more weeks with... Um, I'll go into Andrew Proskogny's press conference on Friday, so we'll get an, an injury update. Um, but obviously, Madison van der Ven was, was stated to be out until the new year, so hopefully we'll get a time frame on when they're going to be back. The thing is, Jack, uh, you're, it's been very interesting when you are back reporting on the team and we get past New Year's Eve um, because Spurs are going to have a really odd situation of a transfer window being open 
and some of their most important players um, all coming back in the same two or three weeks. Yeah, yeah, it's gonna be it's gonna be strange, isn't it? And that this I think is why maybe a more short termist approach makes sense in the January transfer window. If they can find you know, I don't know, older, cheaper players or loan signings or something rather than rather than spending big when they're gonna have when Madison and then eventually Benton Kerr will, will come back. Uh, Jack, of course, uh, please don't think that I'm um, raining on your parade when I start by saying how delighted we are to have you back on The View from the Lane. And it's genuinely true. Um, but uh, even more, I think uh, I must uh, express the sadness that we're losing Tim from the regular rotation. Tim, um, I didn't know you before I uh, before you turned up here as the reserve for Charlie and then and then for Jack. I've, I've absolutely loved working with you. Um, more importantly, I've loved the kind of um, ultra-informed but not quite as madly emotional views on Spurs compared to me, for instance, that you brought. And uh, I, I hope that we'll get you back soon. But just thank you so much for all your work over the past year. Thanks, Danny. That's really nice of you to say. Um, it's been an absolute pleasure. Yeah, so I'm, I'm doing the Everton game on Saturday and then uh, with Charlie and then doing the Bournemouth game with Jack on New Year's Eve. So, yeah, looking forward to um, another couple of victories. And I'll be listening twice a week, obviously. And just glad to come in and win you guys an award. And now, and now I'm off again. So It's been a joy, Tim. It's great to have you back, Jack. It's brilliant to have all of you listening. And let me just remind you, of two things that we have been nominated once again for the best club podcast in the world, the one that we won last year. Also, just to remind you that the show has that Twitter site now, at VFTL Podcast, or you can email us with questions, comments at vftlathletic.com for the best Spurs coverage anywhere. Make sure you sign up to The Athletic itself. Take advantage of our latest offer of just $1.99 a month for 12 months. Simply go to theathletic.com forward slash Spurs pod to subscribe. Um, I have to say... We're having a, a sort of break now. The way that the the new year and the Christmas fall means it will be gone until early in the new year, which means I can also wish you a very, very happy Christmas and new year. Stay safe, be happy, be prosperous. Come on, you Spurs. The Athletic. <laughs>